Money FM 89.3, the best of Saturday mornings. International News Review. Steve Oaken joining us as he always does on Saturday mornings. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. Had a great week this week. I went to the uh, U.S. Embassy, hosted a media night bowling event. Uh, I bowled the greatest score of my life, 211. That's a, that's a great score. That's a great score. It's incredulous. And I got to, most importantly, I got to do it with my favorite presenters for of a morning show in Singapore, Steve Lai and Julie Yu. Okay. There you go. You stop right there, you. So it's only because we weren't there, right? I, and I, I am not joking. People actually came up to me and said, where is Glenn? We thought Glenn would be. I'm not joking, Glenn. They, yeah. You were missed. Your your absence was noted well, by many. You know, uh, thank you, Neil. Nobody nobody asked about Th- thank you. Thank you. No, no surprise. They, they sent me the invite, and I had planned to go. And then Max had his rugby games that that, that day, and we got home, and I just you know got into dinner, and I. I hate to say it, I forgot. <laughs> I totally forgot. I was so wrapped up in Max's game. He had three tries over two games. And, and it's that attitude why he prefers the other guys. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I would just say family first. Yes. Eh, three tries, nothing compared to a two eleven. That's all. <laughs> that is an extraordinary score. I is it serious? Literally, Julie. When I was bowling, Julie's like, she's like. Are you a professional bowler? And I'm like, I have never done this in my so what life. What's happening? Because that strike after strike, two eleven. I haven't bowled in forever, and huh. I I try and save up my elbow for softball because you know you get old and you get creaky. And so I picked a light ball. I like just took it very easy. I didn't try and overdo it, and then I was really good. Extraordinary. Well, well good for you, Steve. Yeah. That is some score. Yeah. Well done, well done, and and congratulations to all the folks who went bowling. Did you get a chance to have some time? with the ambassador. No, you know, I was with my favorite morning presenters. <laughs> I won't let it go, will he? <laughs> All right, let's move on to a very serious topic, which is in about 24 hours, a little over 24 hours from now, no, no about 12 hours from now, um, the U.S. will shut down. Yes, And the- it doesn't look like there is going to be a, any kind of savior deal happening in Congress, um, which means many or uh, you know all of the government agencies will have to, um, without except for most essential ones, will have to close their doors and everybody goes on vacation <laughs> for an undetermined part of the time. Tell us, tell us what's going on with this and why. Most importantly, we should care here in Asia. This is a shutdown about nothing. Okay. It, it, nothing. Kind of like a show about nothing, like Seinfeld? It, exactly. <laughs> this is the Seinfeld shutdown. The Republicans are shutting down the government, and they can't tell us why mm. they are shutting down the mm. government. Now, it, it, you know, so what happens is, you know, the when the government gets funded, it gets funded out of the Congress, and then it goes to, to get signed by the president. So you have to have the Congress agree on a budget. The Republicans who control the House have to work with the Democrats who control the Senate and the president, obviously, Biden, a Democrat, to to get a budget. So you have to have a bipartisan agreement. And where is the tension usually with this? The Democrats want more social spending. Okay, In this case, the Republicans, just high high level for us. Okay, high level. The Republicans 
when they have the White House, do not care about the deficit or debt, and they will spend as much as they want to spend. When the Republicans do not have the White House, they get religion, and now all of a sudden, <laughs> deficit spending becomes important. So you get shutdowns typically when the Republicans control the House and the Democrats control the White House. When the, when the Republicans controlled the Congress and Donald Trump controlled the White House, spend as much money as you want. Who cares about the deficit? You want to cut taxes and cut taxes and cut taxes? Go right ahead. Now, all of a sudden, we are we have to do the deficit over and above everything else and shut it down. And if, if that's what it takes. So that's kind of the background of where we are. The difference here is in previous shutdowns when Newt Gingrich led the Republicans in 1995 and I got shut out of my job when I was in the government. Um, it was about something. It was about Taxes, or it was about health care, which is why the Republicans shut it down uh, in the 2000s under President Obama. Here, the Republicans in the House, because they have such a narrow majority that a a handful of Republicans who have said, we just want to shut the government down unless we get everything. So shut it down. And that's where we are right now. So the Republicans can't come up with a proposal themselves to give to the Democrats in the Senate, which would then go to the White House. So we don't know why the government is shutting down. It's a shutdown about nothing right now. It's about between 10 and 20 uh, It's about between about 10 and 20 Republicans who are, have the power to make sure that these spending bills don't get passed. Yeah, it's actually like five. I mean, even, you know, the, the majority is so slender in the House right now. It's about five. And Kevin McCarthy, um, to get the Speaker's the, the gavel, speaker of the, the House. Speaker of the House, so yeah. he's the one who gets to decide what comes to the House floor. To get the Speaker, he had to give in to, to these very, you know, MAGA, ultra-radical Republicans, and he had to say, only one of you can bring up a petition to get me kicked out as speaker. And so he had to agree to that. That did not exist under Nancy Pelosi. One Democrat could not get her out. That would have to take a majority. So here, one Republican can get McCarthy taken out. So he is tied to them. He has He's literally speaker in name only. He has no power, which is why he can't even bring anything up for a vote. There are clearly enough votes between the Republicans and the Democrats in the House if there were a bipartisan compromise to get yeah. this done. McCarthy won't let that happen because he's a hostage to the outliers in his own party. So the government is going to shut down um, and it's really going to have a huge impact in the United States. It'll have a lesser impact immediately and directly in Asia, other than it will just be another example of the dysfunction of the United States and will harm us when it comes to our relations in the region, certainly in a battle for, for, for influence between the U.S. and China. Well, I had a look. Yes, profound impacts on the domestic scene. But internationally, I see there's a few potential things. Transportation, uh, no training of air traffic controllers. There may be an impact on the airport, security screeners, busy holiday season. Foreign affairs, I saw foreign aid programs could run out of money. And, of course, the disaster response. There'll be less money for disaster relief funds. That aside, any other possible international implications? 
Well, it, it'll be interesting to see. So in particular for us, you know, sitting here in Singapore, we, we're most impacted by the State Department and the embassy here. That will be cut back. Mm-hmm. We don't know how much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, consular services will still be there because obviously if getting if, passports know, and things, yeah, not getting passports. Pieces. But if, if Glenn or I got into an emergency, if, if you know, if, if we had some attention, we needed U.S. government support because it was a, a life or death situation for us or our families. They, the embassy is going to pick up the phone. So those types of things that will still happen because it is a that is a critical service of the government. It appears that the IPEF negotiations, the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework, the next rounds to take place in KL next month. USTR has said they will send negotiators to that because that is part of economic and national security. So they're they're making exceptions for a few things like that. But if you want to get a visa to go visit the United States, you're probably not going to be able to go to the embassy to do that. We want to have meetings with U.S. government officials here about things that are important to the U.S. business community, we're not going to be able to do that. So just the everyday functioning is going to have some impact here. It is going to be, you know, much more profoundly uh, felt in the U.S. And now when I was in, you know, in the Clinton administration and and Newt Gingrich and the Republican Congress shut us down, the White House made it very clear. We wanted to show the American public what the government does and what is missing when the government is not there. So all the national parks shut them down to show that that's, that is something the U.S. federal government does. What happens when you need to get help with Social Security or other types of payments? Shut it down. So I assume the Biden administration is going to take a very hard line, as did the Clinton administration, to show the American people there is real value in the U.S. government. And look at what these radicals in the Republican Party, in the House of Representatives, are doing to prevent that from from helping you. And many Republicans are saying that, too, about members of their own caucus. They're like, you know, there's a huge part of the Republican caucus that's saying, stop this. We need to pass these bills and keep the government functioning. Mitch McConnell, right, during his weekly press conference, Senate Minority Leader, Republican Mitch McConnell says, shutdowns have always been a loser for Republicans politically, and he offered a stark warning to his House colleagues. We can fund the government. Don't shut it down. And let's, in exchange for zero meaningful progress on policy, which is, again, because there's nothing that they're asking for is they're going to get nothing. So it's a political loser. I'll clean up the language a bit. A a, a conservative House member, Republican, said, we are going to eat a poop sandwich if we go forward with this. (laughs) What's what's President Biden's position in this? I know he's been quite outspoken in recent days. How does it affect him moving forward? Well, this is there's going to be a battle because the Democrats are going to want to show the Republicans shut the government down. Kevin McCarthy is desperately trying to Pin the pin the blame on Biden. He's saying, "Well, Biden's not even talking to me." And Biden said, "Well, we had a deal about what this budget number should be, which we averted the the debt crisis a few months ago. Mm. You're reneging on that deal. Why should I talk to you?" So there is going to be a huge political battle of who's at fault and what it means, and so that is going to play out. I'll be with Mitch McConnell. It always goes against the Republicans because they're the ones who are shutting it down. They're the ones are not going to have a bipartisan compromise. 
This one could be a real long one, and it could be a real painful one, and it could really hit the United States mm. in terms just of another example of how, how we are a dumpster fire when it comes to, yeah. to Congress. Some other news out of uh, Washington last night. Um, Diane Feinstein, the longest-serving female senator, passed away at 90 years old. She had been in the Senate since 1992. Um, a stalwart, a, uh, you know, a power broker in the halls of Washington. What impact is this likely to have on the Democratic Party? She was a Democrat. Uh, and, and any impact that you can see uh, overseas? Well, first, quick, quick quiz for Neil. Yes. She was featured in two great movies. Mm. Can you name them? Mm. Milk and... Uh, I don't know. The I got re- one. The report. Oh, okay. The report. Which, was, which, is, which I'll get to because that is, that is a, a big part I of I did well, though. Legacy. 50, 50, 50, 50, not bad. It's an F. It's an F. Yes. An F. You fail. But, uh, <laughs> I'm not American, but okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, she, she was a historic figure, right? She became mayor of the city of San Francisco after... Moscone, the mayor, was murdered um, along with Harvey Milk, and that was so she was featured at the end of that movie. In the Milk, 80s, in the, in the early the, 80s. In the 80s. Yep. So she was the first woman mayor of San Francisco. She became the first woman to represent California in the Senate. Um, uh, and she was the last, one of the last of the moderate Democrats. She was really a very much middle-of-the-road Democrat, and there are not many of those left. And so you will likely see the party shift even further to the left um, without her um, being present. I mean, she was hugely influential. If it wasn't for her, uh, the... The you know the automatic uh, weapons ban that that passed in 1994, um, she championed that in the Senate that President Clinton signed. Maybe we can use that again to try and show that gun legislation is possible. Significant gun legislation is possible uh, in the United States from a foreign affairs perspective. And this was the movie. The report was all about the torture that the United States did post 9/11 in Afghanistan, and it was Diane Feinstein is is chair. Of of a, a key Senate committee that investigated the CIA, found out that they were lying, found out that they were covering up, found out that they were torturing you know individuals at, at, at Gitmo and, and other you know dark locations, and then she released that report over the objections of the CIA um, to show that the United States needed to be better when it came to these types of things. And I think the U.S. has done a better job because Dianne Feinstein and and her committee held the U.S. accountable, held the U.S. to the right standards. And so she is going to have a lasting impact, and I think in in good ways, uh, for the United States globally. Age. Well, yes, that's the issue, isn't it, Steve? Because even Democrats towards the end, a little bit exasperated. I know she went for a bipartisan policy, but even during the Trump era, she tried to follow that line. It upset a few Democrats. And Glenn alludes to, in recent months and years, not as able as she once was, which brings it back to, should these terms in office have a finite fixed period? Well, and it really is. It's it's a shame that it is going to at least tarnish her legacy in the short term because it's something we're talking about now. It's something that's in every obit that's running in the United States. You know, she stayed in office till she died at the age of 90. There is she was in 
declining health. She had a declined mental state. It was unclear that she actually even knew what she was doing when she was voting. Um, and so now we have discussions in the U.S. Should there be age limits? Because she was one of really the four that were featured as being part of this gerontocracy it was it was feinstein yeah, I like that. yeah. <laughs> it, it was feinstein and it, it's biden mm. and it's mcconnell in the senate and it's trump um and she was the oldest uh but it, you know and the others are you know not quite spring chicken in their 80s compared to her but it, it is an issue and so should when should people step down should there be an age limit should there be a mental acuity test that is given to leaders all of these things are being discussed some more seriously than others uh, in the U.S. right now. And it, well, like, this is a universal question. Mm. Do people are people willing to give up power um, when it's clear they can't perform as they once did? It really tarnished, you know, it, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who's considered, you know, one of the you know really great Supreme Court justices, certainly on the left of, of all time. Yet because she stayed until she died, we now have abortion outlawed in the United States because had she retired, had Obama taken her successor, then we may not have gotten where we got with Trump getting to appoint her successor as opposed to it having been Obama. And so it is part of Ginsburg's legacy. It's part of Feinstein's legacy. And if I'm older, maybe I ask myself, should I step down? All right. Indeed. A huge topic there. Let's uh, talk about um, Taylor Swift. Let's talk about Taylor Swift. Wow. She goes to an American football game and the world basically explodes. And this was this this past week. Uh, She went to visit uh, the Kansas City Chiefs football game and apparently uh, to see her what many people believe is her current love interest, Travis Kelsey, who is an all-pro player for Kansas City. And the world went, well, at least the American world went crazy. Well, look, I think the world a bit. I mean, look, these are the two biggest cultural forces in the United States right now, Taylor Swift and the NFL. And when you bring them together, it is a <laughs> massive, massive impact in the United States. And it because it's Taylor Swift, it is a massive impact globally. Uh, going back and reading through things, if they do become a couple, and it's unclear mm-hmm. if they're dating, are they going to be dating? Are they going to become she a couple? She sat with his mother. She sat with his game, mother. They left together. They left. I would arguably <laughs> will be at least the second biggest sports celebrity couple in history. Huh. What do you think number whoa, one is? Whoa, 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 sports, whoa. sportsman celebrity. I got. Who do you think is number one? Uh, that's a big leap. I I'm mean, just, no disrespects to the AFL. It's it, I've never heard of this guy until this week. Until because, yeah, until this week. Until this week. But that's the thing. You now have heard about him because of Taylor Swift. Well, you'd have to pick the Beckhams, I'm guessing, right? You have a Spice Girl. Well, you have you the go. world's famous, that's huge, world's I, most I, famous footballer. Yep. I would put them. By, okay, maybe I'll go third then. But I, <laughs> historically, Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio, I think, mm. will be number one. Posh and Bax again, could be, again, you know, in again, again, again in the U.S. Again in the U.S. Well, what, the U.S. is a little bit bigger than the U.K. Right? I, I never so, mentioned the U.K. <laughs> so, but, uh, so, but this would be, it, 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 and it, it's just the U. You know, football is colossal in the U.S. Football is colossal. It's obviously making inroads in the U.K. There is games in London, but this is just a pairing that is un. 
unbelievable. And you're bringing in all of these Swifties to watch the NFL. Mm. Um, and then you're going to have people go, well, if Travis Kelsey can like Taylor Swift, maybe now I can admit I like Taylor Swift if I'm, you know, kind of a, a sports fan way you might not have done before. I, look, Travis Kelsey has, you know, three, how big is he? He, I was, he has three million followers on Instagram, which okay. is about three million more than the three of us combined. Yes. Okay. So he has three million <laughs> followers on Instagram. He went up 276 percent. When it got found out that Taylor Swift was at the game with his mom to watch him, because she has 273 million followers. So, 273 million. (laughs) And so, who has Taylor Swift dated in the past? Oh, like people who I don't know, but I'm sure. Harry Styles. Oh, I would. Harry Styles, I could have named Maddie Healy. Maybe Abby Abby Rose. Abby Rose was crushed when he was dating her. Anyway, yes. Maddie Healy, I don't know who that is. He was a lead singer in the 1975, I think. Okay. Joe Alwyn. Don't know him. Uh, a slim British actor, according to the internet. Uh, <laughs> she likes the Brits. <laughs> uh, Tom Hiddleston. I know him. That's Loki. Uh, another slim British actor. Yep. All right. The slim British DJ Calvin Harris. Someone I don't know. Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Yeah. Massively yes. popular. Harry Styles, of course, slim. Yeah. And British as well. And now she's going for an all-American. All red meat American. NFL. <laughs> two-time Super Bowl champion. So this is just huge. She's she's found the flaw in her dating life. She mm. has corrected it, or hopefully will correct it with Taylor with, with with Travis Kelsey. And what's happening again, so it's it's a number of Swifties there's a, who post on Twitter, for example, there's a Twitter post, football explainer for those confused. Yes. Right? And this was all aimed at, at the Taylor Swift fans. And it notes how many points you get for a touchdown and a field goal, um, how many downs or tries <laughs> is in, in, in the language of Max, right? Each team has um, what you need to do to get 10 yards. I can't uh, answer any of those questions. But you will be able to after ah. this. And now, if you think it <laughs> I'm was... I'm not so sure about that, it, but it, yeah. If you think... I think Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey was big. Now, she went to a game in Kansas City. You know where the next game is that's coming up this Sunday? Take one guess. Uh, the most York- important city in the world. Thank you very much. Uh, Chicago? No, that would oh. be the second most important city. <laughs> New, York? New York. Okay. So she, the, the Chiefs are coming to play the New York Jets. In New York. This is going to be the highest rated maybe football game Outside of a Super Bowl ever, they had had 24 million people, which is a pretty big number to watch a, a relatively meaningless game of, of the Chiefs and the Bears, as bad as the Bears are, on a Sunday afternoon. Sunday night football, New York City, Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey. Look out, Posh and Bex. <laughs> Look out, because this is going to be right up there and maybe surpass them if wow. these two kids who are in their 30s, if these two kids can can. How many together. followers does she have on Instagram again? 324 million? 273 million. Wow. Cristiano Ronaldo has 606 million. Not that we're counting numbers here. Who's he dating? Uh, he doesn't need to date anyone. He's married. He's married. Oh, with I mean, about, who's he married? Uh, uh, somebody she's, famous? She's or? a Portuguese model, I think, okay. but not anyone famous. Yeah. But again, and, but just where Taylor Swift is in the culture, and where it can go, where she can she can impact the NFL. When she put out an Instagram story last week urging her fans to register to vote, yeah, and she is very pretty publicly anti anti Donald Trump. Um, and the site had a one thousand two hundred twenty six percent increase in the next hour <laughs> when she said you should vote.
This is the power that she no, has. No, she's huge. She's great for young people. And I when like she Swift. brings that power to Singapore, then, oh. then, and then you're going to see Travis Kelsey maybe come with her to Singapore, and maybe we can get him so on the show. So we're going to get an NFL exhibition game maybe here. Maybe we can get him on the show. STB, are you listening? Right. <laughs> yeah. This would be huge. I'm telling you. So, yeah. Posh and Bex, yeah, okay, you're <laughs> there right. for now. There you're there for now. Travis Kelsey hosted Saturday Night Live. He's got his own podcast. He is, he. I'm telling you, but he is going to be, if this happens, it's going to. I don't think I've ever seen you excited about any story more no, than this Nobody one. even remembers Tom Brady and Giselle Bunchen anymore after, after this, right? Who? Yeah, exactly. Who? <laughs> he was another football player. In I know who Tom Brady is. And you know who Giselle is, right? Yes. I do. All right, wait, before we go, we have okay, to talk quickly. about the, the great line from the Republican debate. Oh, yeah. Uh, where uh, Vivek Ramaswani was going on and the on. The second about debate was policy. this week. Mm-hmm. second debate was this week. And uh, Nikki Haley, as Ramaswani was saying something ridiculous, she says, and honestly, every time I hear you, I feel a little bit dumber for what you say. <laughs> That is a, a good great line. quote. I put that as my third best debate line of all time. Yeah, yeah. But do you know where the quote came from, which I only learned this morning from a friend of mine, Jim? No. It's a movie, isn't it? It is close, yes. Which movie? Oh, I don't and know. I've seen, get... I've seen the meme. I've seen the... Boy, you're going to get another F. Oh, uh, go you're on. Gonna... It won't be the first time. Billy Madison. Ah. So okay. Billy Madison, the line of the Billy Madison is, everyone in this room is dumber now. So did she steal it? From Billy Madison, or did she come oh, up with that on her own? I, I think context is everything. If she uses it in the right context and it's a zinger, it's it, a, it works. And she changed it a bit. Now, I I thought, Neil, you'd blame uh, ChatGPT, that they probably uploaded no, the no, Billy no, Madison no, no, script no. into that. Yeah, that's the, 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 well, the, that's also possible. The debate prep for Nikki Haley said insult. <laughs> yeah, came out yeah. With this. Anything's, Anything's okay, possible. Hey, we got to go. Steve, thank you very much. See lots, you next, more, lots more coming up next week. See I you am next sure. week. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.